0: Hello, strangers, and welcome to episode 38 of Strangers in a Cinema, your weekly dose of unfiltered film chat, with myself, Paul Anderson, my co-host, Pete Wall. Pete, how are you?
1: I'm very good, man. Very good. Glad to be back. Loads to talk about, as per usual. Uh, episode 38 will feature two features. It's a... Uh, a co-headliner I suppose this week we've got actually two fairly massive features from the world of film that I think we're into whereby we're going to review both Jim Jarmusch's film Patterson that we finally caught up with um, starring Adam Driver and we're also going to get to Park Chanuk's new uh, Korean and Japanese language film The Handmaiden. But before we get to those... I'm
0: excited this week to be honest because I yeah. think both of those I'm very excited to talk about. I think they are uh, yeah. give, give might give away what we think but very excited to talk about those. Yeah, you're not
1: alone in that Paul um, very much so. And before we get to that I mean we've got all the regular parts of the show that you've come to sort of know and love but first of all new feature from last week or new section I should say from last week which is known for the time being as the inbox in which we talk about a current event in the world of films or something that has taken our interest this last seven days Paul what have we got this time around for the inbox section
0: well it is the news that and uh, the MTV movie awards I believe or, or some form of MTV film awards anyway yeah the really relevant and important film award show has done something quite interesting and relevant um, what they have decided to do is remove the gender from the best actor or actress so there will be just the best performance I think uh, nomination and award. Um, Pete, what what do you think of this?
1: Well this is something that we talked about around the Oscars and sort of award season in general, right, where it feels sometimes like when we're separating best actress and best actor, best supporting actress and best supporting actor, maybe it's a little bit um, unfair and maybe in those categories sometimes people are nominated because the category that year tends to be a little bit weaker than with the other gender or, or vice versa. I mean it's a difficult one isn't it Paul because if you amalgamate best actor and best actress, you might have an issue where people are being overlooked where they wouldn't otherwise be. That's my biggest sort of yeah, reservation, I, think I, I guess. I
0: I like the idea in principle, and I, I do actually respect what MTV are doing here. And as you say, sometimes it does seem a bit silly where some you do seem to have people that are nominated just to make up nominations sometimes. Mm. But then the flip side of it, as you say, do you then get talented actors or actresses then missing out? this this is the question and I think it remains I think it remains to be seen I mean I think I I'll come down with an idea I, I like I like what they're trying to do here whether it'll work in practice or not I don't know and I you know as much as as much as we're not huge fans of all the award shows and that kind of thing I, I imagine for obviously it does give actors something to to aim for um, and certainly you know gunning four awards does bring you know can bring great performances out of otherwise av- what previously average actors so I wouldn't, want to, I wouldn't want people to lose the opportunity to gun for these awards.
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose a, a loose sort of um, similar situation is the way that we distinguish in a lot of the award ceremonies between best foreign language film and then best film. Mm. Because you could say that, you know, something like Tony Erdman that we loved this year that was nominated best foreign language could just be in the best film category. But again, I think the danger is that if you take away categories, you're taking away possible a spotlight from things that deserve a spotlight i mean really i think the spotlight in the film industry should be distributed a bit more evenly um anyway but m- maybe this is yeah the the, the possible danger of, of I, think, I mean i don't really look to mtv movie awards necessarily to be on the sort of vanguard of what the future holds no, in terms of the awards things, they, but,
0: they normally award awards to absolute rubbish so Well, yeah, or just very, very sort of popularist
1: choices where maybe that spotlight isn't going to be spread very wide anyway. Mm. Um, We'll wait and see, I guess. Watch this space, see how this develops, and if any other award ceremonies go down the same track. Because it's definitely... There's room for award ceremonies to be injected with some new life somehow, and whether this is the way or not... Yeah, and it'll go one or two ways.
0: It'll either make people work harder, and therefore there'll be less people nominated, so people will have to be superb, or you'll end up with not... As many people getting recognised for great performances. Hopefully, I mean, if if it's, I'm all for it. If it means that people work harder for awards, so yeah, and, and then
1: I feel like you know if people are if actors, actresses, or whoever they might be are working with an award in mind above and beyond just the the sort of craft itself, then it seems a bit of a backwards way of looking Eddie at it. <laughs> maybe eddie redmay yeah but oh he's in both categories anyway because he's oh, in the, the danish, danish girl, girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yes uh the other thing i wanted to mention before we cruise out of the uh, inbox section this week is that uh one Stephen seagal turns 65 years of age today so a uh, happy birthday to you happy sir. birthday
0: Stephen seagal and just to drop in on Stephen seagal listens at home i have actually uh with my dad god rest his soul have seen Stephen seagal live in concert singing the blues um can't unsee Not to that. ruin his birthday, because obviously I imagine he is definitely listening. Uh, not to ruin his birthday, it wasn't the best. We did leave uh, to go and play Gears of War on the Xbox as it happens, but I have seen Stephen Seagal live in concert, so thank you, Stephen, and I echo your happy birthday to right, Stephen Seagal.
1: Thankfully, well, and hopefully, Stephen Seagal still has plenty of years in which he can solve all of the world's problems. Yeah, whilst he's in the blues. That seems to be what he's doing <laughs> yeah. at the moment. Um, okay, Paul, let's get out of this section and let's talk about some films. Um, we, every week, get to about first big section which is popcorn movies in this section we can talk about anything we like really as long as it's a film and as long as it came out at some point <laughs> yeah um we bounce back and forwards between
0: the two of us and we'll do usually two films each this week paul do you want to go first what have we got I'll go first, and it's a film that we didn't really get to talk about that much last year. I think I kind of uh, shoehorned it into the beginning of the Films of the Year episode. Um, Star Wars, Star Rogue One, sorry, a Star Wars story. Yes. Um, now, as I meant to think about mentioned at the time, and in fact, my notes are made, as I'm sure you mentioned at the time, so you may as well listen to that episode and not this one, that my notes are made in a Star Wars notebook. I have Star Wars stuff everywhere. I'm wearing, an Empire, wearing an Empire Strikes, an Empire Strikes, Strikes Back t-shirt, back t-shirt. <laughs> as we speak. I'm a big Star Wars fan. Sure. The thing so, is, guys, that um, we realised
1: that the the podcast world was devoid of heterosexual white men who like comic book films and uh, and Star Wars. So we thought, you know, we'd add our uh, our yeah, you two know, pence. I'm, not, worth you know, I'm a walking
0: cliche, in, in fairness, um, but so yes, Rogue One. Um, I watched it again last night. The Blu-ray arrived early, so thank you, Xavi for that. Which is the only thing I'd be thanking Xavi for, but that's another subject. Um, Rogue One, yeah. I still maintain what I said. I, I came out a little bit disappointed with the Rogue One, to be honest. I think it looks great. Gareth Edwards certainly knows how to handle action. Um, but it's just a little bit stoic and lifeless for a Star Wars film. I think mm-hmm. it, it loses, in in changing the tone, they've tried to do something different, which I respect them for trying to do something different, don't get me wrong. But there's just not that many big, larger-than-life characters in there. There's no kind of Han Solo. There's no, um, there's no Finn. There's no Ray, there's no, you know, there's no Adam Driver in there as, as Kylo ren mm. There's no one really that, that jumps out. And I think Ben Mendelssohn gives it a good go, but is a little bit overshadowed by the presence of CGI Tarkin and Darth Vader being in there. And it just feels a bit stoic and a bit leaden mm. and not as much fun as it should be. I think the last half an hour is great, the space battles are superb. There's, there's a lot to like for Star Wars fans, but it still stands as a bit of a disappointment for me. Yeah,
1: I mean, as we've established on this show many times, um, you come from a position of considerably more knowledge when it comes to the Star Wars universe. And um, I remember just coming out of this and thinking, like, that that was fine. It was yeah. fine. It was, it was fine. It, parts of it looked very nice, and um, it told a story of sorts, and it was fine. But, yeah, you, I mean, you come down somewhere-ish similar with a bit more nuance and detail, I think, in your review of Star Wars, right? It was fine.
0: Yeah, no, it was it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just, it just lacked heart, I think. I think it lacked heart that the other films have. And I think it uh, ultimately it does suffer um, the problem that all prequels have, is that you know how they're going to end because they're prequels. So ultimately it's not a spoiler to, to know that they do get the Death Star plans in the end, which is what the film is about. So it kind of lacks that a little bit so you, you know exactly where it's going. Yeah, there's there's a lot of fan service which I enjoyed, but I just think it could have been a bit more fun.
1: But next, Ryan Johnson is yes, invo- is taking the lead. He's he's is the director he's of, the episode episode. Eight, is the yes. of the next
0: episode? What is the name of the next episode? The Last Jedi. Right.
1: So I mean, I'm more interested in the next uh, iteration of Star Wars purely because Ryan Johnson is a, a director. I think Ryan Johnson.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting choice, um, whether or not he works well with this it's always a for me it's always a bit of a, a struggle because i've said before about picking sort of indie directors or foreign directors to work on big franchises is to whether he will actually be able to put his mark on it or not that will be the interesting thing to see and i hope he does because much like you pete i'm a big fan of ryan johnson so it certainly it certainly will uh, make star wars episode eight more interesting i think to you um as Absolutely. probably as a non-star wars fan so yeah a lot to look forward to there um Right, I should take over, I guess, for the
1: second pick for popcorn movies this time around is something that I mentioned a while back as a coming attraction, I believe. Um, this, uh, yeah, I think I mentioned at the time, a weird one to be sort of hotly anticipated, I guess, it is um, Keith Maitland's documentary Tower. Um, this tells the story of uh, the event that happened in the late 1960s at the University of Texas where... What turns out to have been a let's say disgruntled uh, member of the student body uh, makes his way up to the top of the tower on campus and opens fire with a high powered sniper rifle of some description on everyone and sundry in the surrounding area. A horrible and tragic um, series of events, really, that took place on that day. And what Keith Maitland's done with this documentary is instead of just having talking heads as we often see recounting the events of that day which would obviously be quite painful for them to do anyway Um, he has got actors and actresses who are or at least in voice, sound about the appropriate age of the students who were on campus that day to take on those roles, I suppose. And then he's used a kind of rotoscoping technique, okay. not dissimilar to what like Richard Linklater's in the tale, waking yeah. life. Is it Waking Life? You yeah.
0: yeah, maybe
1: not with the uh, craft and kind of um, flow of something like Waking Life, but you know, the subject matter is very different. And mm. I think the art style here works quite well. I think having that distance Works quite well, even though we want to have the the truest representation of what may have happened at that time. Getting those voices that, yeah, like I say, sound appropriate for the age of the people that we're um, here learning about is is quite powerful, quite affecting. I don't know that. Um, I don't know that everything in the presentation of the the material works here, but regardless when we have a switch and it's not it's not a spoiler with a with a film like this but we have a switch towards the end of the film to the people who were actually involved at the age that they are now obviously some of them have passed away and some of them are getting on a bit um it's powerful powerful stuff i mean the level of heroism that occurred on that day and as a counterpoint to that the people who recount the fact that that was the day they realized they were a coward. Be- wow, okay. because when something really goes down when you know something serious happens we all have that that choice and maybe it's not even an active choice it's an instinct and it's either survival or intervening in some way and the vast majority of people when it comes to the crunch realize that survival takes over that survival instinct takes over particularly gripping in this is a uh, the story of a girl who was with her boyfriend and heavily pregnant when she she and he were both shot laid down on the floor he was bleeding and seemingly losing consciousness and she was there hoping for help but nobody would go to her for risk of being shot themselves i mean not light material um but a very very well put together documentary and it's something that if you have the chance to see it i think is is certainly worthwhile yeah it sounds
0: like powerful stuff so that one
1: was called tower
0: good good um, which brings me to another very powerful film actually my second popcorn pick of the week um, and I just want to start by is- issuing an apology to uh, Stanley Kubrick for never having seen this film before um, this is Stanley Kubrick's I believe 1957 effort Path of Glory mm. um, this film was to be frank absolutely magnificent yeah I've right? never seen it you've put me it, in the, in the just, shade here just superb um, just to set the scene it's a film set in World War One. um uh, it based uh, based around this uh, awful awful kind of um, French general in the French army who wants his men to attack this un- untakeable, untakeable German position, um, and it just it's a searing searing portrait anti-war uh, drama and just a just a horrible portrait of just how people were treated in World War One and the absolute disregard for human life. Um, Kurt Douglas um, he takes one of the leading roles and is on scenery chewing form um as a colonel who obviously resents what this general is doing um it's all the the, the Kubrick hallmarks are in there um it's blackly comic in places as you come to expect from Kubrick but it is just it's meticulously shot mm. certain tracking shots through the trenches just look amazing the performance is superb technically it's it's just a it's an absolute masterpiece and um it's it really for me cements Kubrick and I don't know why I I've been aware it's been out, and I thought I will get around to watching that. And I don't know whether it was because it was early Kubrick. Maybe I have thought oh, it would be a bit of a chore to to put that on. I don't know why certain films. I think everyone has that, actually with You go, oh, I must get yeah, around it to that. It feels like homework yeah. or something. It like does. That, yeah. It almost almost feels like homework. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, I'm just I'm gutted I didn't didn't see it sooner. It's and I think it, it really really cements Kubrick, and especially this early in his career for him to make something this good. Yeah. Um, it cements him as probably the possibly the all time greatest film director I think but and, and I mean
1: you said that you know you're gutted that you didn't catch up with it till now and I am still too uh, to my discredit but at the same time maybe if you had caught up with this film when you were you know half the age that you are now you wouldn't have had the appreciation for it that no, you did watching it no today. it's
0: interesting and it's, it's also when you know when you watch a lot of films it's genuinely quite nice when one comes out and you go oh shit that was amazing and I haven't seen that like it, it happens the more films you watch and obviously, this goes for everyone. This time as well. The more films you watch, the more amazing films you see. That means there's less amazing films out there that you haven't seen for the first time. So when you do find one like that again, it's a great feeling. And as I said, I got up this morning, nine o'clock, had a shower, put the film on. It's only ninety minutes as well, and I was just like, wow, that was that was unbelievable. The and the end is so so good, so good. Um, so.
1: To- <laughs> Sometimes, what was the, the thing you just said? Sometimes it's great films come along and you realise that you know there are fewer amazing films for you to catch up with. Yes. Uh, I presumably, <laughs> we're not going to include in that then, the latest from M. Night Shy- Shyamalan. Um, Paul's already done a review of this film, so I'm circling back to it, only to give my, my input on what I thought of Split, um, starring James McAvoy as the character Kevin, who has 23 distinct personalities, we are told, and the 24th is going to possibly be unleashed at some point in this narrative. I... I'm going to go right in and say that I absolutely loathed almost every moment wow, of the okay. film. I, I, I found the whole exercise so forced and and d- sort of disingenuous and and pointless, really. Because what we're what we're dealing with here, Mi Chamberlain for a start, mentions um, specifically DID, dissociative identity disorder, right? Yeah, which is a real, depending on which side of that debate you are, a real condition that afflicts people with um, supposed multiple personalities that exist inside one body, but he's not interested in that. Just like... just like you had Steven Soderbergh not being interested in mental illness really in side effects and that thing took a left turn and went ridiculous even though the beginning I thought was really really good Um, James McAvoy people have said oh James McAvoy you know is a great performer no it's not what this is is a sort of um, an improv class where you get to do some acting exercises (laughs) and you do sort of caricatures of the characters that you happen to have developed by you know watching a couple of movies the one accent that James McAvoy needed here to make a sinister character which would have been a good part of the narrative is scottish his actual nationality but of course he doesn't use that at all he uses a sort of terrible boston accent at one point he uses a kind of not particularly convincing english he, he's all over the place he's all over the place he's obviously having a really good time but for example we talked about 21 no 10 10 <laughs> 21 jump street no 10 Clo- cloverfield lane recently yeah vastly superior in terms of how the thing's set up with a captive situation and creepy person outside the door. So if you've come in for that, go and see that film instead. And then this thing just unravels into just endless character switching that holds up the actual plot. Because we're supposed to believe that these people are in peril, that young girls who are frequently semi-naked in this, which I'm sure is not an accident, um, we're supposed to believe they're in peril and they're trying to get out and there's tension, but the tension's broken at every turn by yet another characterisation with a different funny voice and some different clothes. And then there's a sort of twist and <laughs> you mentioned this twist before and you were like, something happens, is it kind of more interesting? Oh, I, just, I just thought, well, okay, you've done that now. You've done See, that. See, I
0: like that. But I think, and I honestly... And I'm not going to say what that is. No, but, we still won't ruin it. But honestly, I did say, I did say when the film ended and I thought maybe it was a bit harsh. And I think I gave it a middling review when, when we talked about it on the podcast. And I, yeah. I, I, do, I certainly, I think, enjoyed it a bit more than you did. Certainly enjoyed it more than you did. Um, but I did say at the end, I was like, "Oh, the rest of the film, shit. That twist was amazing. I did personally, I love the twist." But
1: I, do, I felt like even the twist—it's it, barely a twist. It's sort of just a, thing, just a. I, I, I feel as if, who am I to say? But I feel as if this was presented—if this was presented as a screenplay at some sort of university film screenplay writing class, it would be rejected out of hand. I think it's <laughs> it's some of the worst screenwriting I've seen in years, and. I like james McAvoy I do and and he'll be better in other places and he signed on to plenty of dark films in his time you know things like um wanted and uh on uh there's another one that's slipping my mind at the moment where he does some some silly stuff but yeah I don't know with M like Shyamalan i I want to give him another and another and another chance but every time I just feel like <laughs> this is just not for me I don't know it's not for me I
0: well, you can probably work out what film he's making next, but we won't uh, It's, we won't with, go there it's with all of my power that I was trying not
1: to do, do this review and be like, Split, more like, shit. Oh, so you've done it now. <laughs> which, moving on then from that.
0: So uh, Pete didn't like Split, everyone. I think we can uh, gather that from, uh, from there. Um, which brings us to then coming attractions. So um, we'll try and be a bit more... We'll bring some positivity back. Um, my first coming attraction... Well, my first coming attraction... My coming attraction this week... Uh, is an interesting looking film called Bright uh, directed by David Ayer who has made films that include no he didn't make Suicide Squad I want to expunge that from my memory (laughs) because that was taken away from him and apparently edited by someone else but anyway enough on Suicide Squad so David Ayer um, End of Watch yeah, very cool film I quite enjoyed that Um, starring Will Smith Um, so basically the concept of this is it looks to be like a almost like a fantasy film set in like a modern day. So you've got Will Smith as a cop. It reminded me a lot of Alien Nation, actually. You've got Will Smith as a cop and he seems to be policing a city where humans and orcs live side by side. And I don't know if you were of Alien Nation where you've got aliens living no. along, living alongside humans. Uh, I think James Caan is policing it and it reminded, it did, was very reminiscent of that. Um, what's interesting about this is, for me, is that the concept seems kind of cool. The other thing that's interesting about this. I think Netflix have put like £90 million into this. So for Netflix to, car- to recruit a- an A-list director um, and a star the size of Will Smith mm. um, should be interesting and what i will be intrigued to see what they do with it is whether or not it actually gets a cinematic release alongside a Netflix release because you'd think it's the kind of film I quite want to see on the cinema screen, mm. rather than necessarily at home, so I'd, I'd be intrigued. But check out the trailer, the trailer's up there at the moment, um, and hopefully it'll be a return to form for David Ayer.
1: Cool, man. Um, my coming attraction for this week, is, with a certain amount of trepidation, is the biopic uh, All Eyes on Me, which is, uh, as you would imagine, going to tell the story of Tupac Shakur, which uh, Straight Out of Compton came out, what, like a year ago? Um, didn't have particularly high hopes. It was a bit better than I thought it was gonna be. And,
0: I'm still not quite up with it, and, actually, but...
1: and, you know, interesting to see that story and that piece of history revisited when it came to the East Coast, West Coast rap situation. And that's obviously where we are here with all eyes on me. The lead in this thing, um, I've got the name. Um, close to hand Demetrius Ship Jr. has done little else Um, he credits I think he's got one other indie film um, and that's about it I yeah I I want it to be good I hope it's good Um, and I hope that if it's at the level that that, um, Straight Outta Compton was then great because there's fertile ground Tupac Shakur a really interesting figure I think I think a lot of people um, sort of deified him as some sort of you know uh, legend beyond reproach at the same time we know that that violence that was perpetrated mm. between East and West Coast was horribly destruct- destructive and sort of coloured the way that a lot of hip hop went post so there's a risk that.
0: that there's a risk this could just Deify him even further and not be even-handed. Well, is, yes, I, I know very little about this. Again, again, going as off a, as a white man in an Empire Strikes Back T-shirt.
1: <laughs> go, going off the incredibly shallow amount of information you get from a trailer, uh, yeah. by and large, it seems as though they are at least attempting to um, look into. The other side of Tupac Shakur, the sort of um, the intellectual side, the guy who was raised on um, shelves and shelves of books, his home, the guy who wanted to make some kind of positive social change and then was drawn into this life of of sort of violence and um, paranoia and, and all those things that pervaded later on. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. Um, I hope this doesn't end up being sort of, you know, a, a near straight to video effort that just sort of cashes in on the reputation of Tupac Shakur. But you know, time will tell. It's out mid June in cinemas, so it's okay. a summer release for, for this year, only a couple of months off. Yeah, all eyes on
0: me. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I think Bright is November December time, by the way. So uh, just to just to get that in there. So we'll see whether it whether it said Netflix. Well, something. yeah, and it
1: sounds like one of those though that you know all the people who are subscribed to Netflix, which I. Th- sure is the majority of people listening um yeah, you won't, won't avoid it, it. Yeah. yeah it's going to be all over that dashboard yeah. so yeah, yeah that's something definitely to look forward to later in the year uh
0: which brings us to feature reviews i'm not going to do bub, 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 bub. Oh, i've done it yes yeah, you both the things when yeah. you say feature
1: reviews it sounds like we're not amped and then when you do that thing it sounds like i am genuinely <laughs> i'm
0: genuinely amped, pete i am i'm very i'm very excited to talk about both of these films um where do you want to start pete well, I'm going like to gonna
1: say let's go first for The Handmaiden um,
0: if S- set the scene I,
1: yeah if I can I mean I mentioned at the top that this is the latest from Korean, South Korean film director Park Chan-hook you will know him I would imagine from the Old Boy um, or Vengeance trilogy, which included Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, then Old Boy, then Lady Vengeance as the, the last of those three. Um, some people might also know that his previous film was Stoker, which was his first English language film yeah. with um, Mia Wasachowska and um, Nicole Kidman. Matthew,
0: Matthew Good was in it as well.
1: That's right. Yeah. Uh, which was, um, I think, imperfect, but showed a lot of the the trademarks of Park Chanuk's work that fans of his... Imperfect but beautiful. Yeah, fans of his have come to know and love. And yeah, sort of top of that list, as Paul has, has intimated, is the beauty of the filmmaking. I mean, from all the way back in his early days to the present day. But this is all to say that The Handmaiden, um, it's set in the 1930s in Korea. So we're not in the English language anymore. We're in Japanese and we're in Korean for the most part. Um, The synopsis or setup for this one, a con man hires a pickpocket to become the maid of a mysterious and fragile heiress in an attempt to seize her wealth, but not everything goes according to plan a lot of double crossing (laughs) might take place here a lot of um, uh, maybe half truth and just straight up lying takes place in this film Um, I should also mention before we get into our review that this is based on Fingersmith which is a Patricia Highsmith I believe novel that was also adapted into a BBC drama um, about the Events that unfold from but that set up. Have
0: you seen the drama? BBC I drama? haven't. No. I remember the
1: trailers for it, and I remember thinking that it seemed, you know, sort of sexy and a little bit edgy. But I never, never. I'm going to it.
0: say that that BBC drama w- is going. will be nowhere near as good or as sexy as The Handmaiden at a, at a push. Um, I I loved I, I loved this film. I thought it was the the twists and turns from from start to finish. I I didn't know the original story, so I didn't know what was coming. And there's a couple of moments where you go oh shit <laughs> like, you're like what how did that happen how did i not see that coming where's this going now and then suddenly it'll go what this film's going in another direction and um yeah i really really love the twists and turns and um, it looked as you can imagine from like chan films uh it looked again amazing like technically the man is there,
1: a yeah, I mean, there, there's a sequence, and I'm sure you can remember this. Uh, and I don't mean a sequence like a minute. I mean a sequence like, uh, or a section of the film, and maybe the first half hours, an hour, where it's like this kind of orgy of just beautiful cam shots yeah. flying through this this mansion where the heiress yeah. lives, approaching characters, moving away from characters, around corners. You're just sort of always it feel his touch is sort of light as a feather as much as he's dealing with sometimes sort of yes. underhand violent behavior Park Chanuk's work is characterized by sort of body violence that you see cropping up at you know yeah fairly liberally at, at points in the stories An octopus <laughs> <laughs> yeah octopus tentacles um, yeah just just some great stuff here I mean we're not going to get too much into the intricacies of the plotting apart from to say that there is a lot of a double crossing at hand but
0: sexually charged as well but absolutely like, and then, I mean it it, it takes it, it's 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 a difficult it's it's always awkward it feels awkward to talk about this kind of thing when you say like a film's sexually charged you go oh is he just going for cheap porn or that you know is is it a cheap shot no it's not like there's the, the way the way he makes, like, a woman having a tooth filed sexy, like, there's you've got to give him credit for that. And the, just the, the the sexual energy about the film is palpable and it really does add something to the film. It makes you, it makes it almost feel almost like a one-off. It makes it feel like a very different film. And yes, be warned, there are some very sexually explicit scenes in the film. Yeah,
1: I think it's a developing thing. But they thing. work, I think. A developing thing with with Chanuk is, is sort of consumption. Um, so from earlier's back, uh, early back is uh, old boy with the tongue cutting mm. and the the uh, well the octopus scene that you mentioned yeah. earlier on um, to this film where you've got yeah the, the thumb in the mouth and the and even things um, above that like men consuming women or attempting to consume yeah. women and commodify women and incidentally you said about the, the sexier parts of the thing I mean, we get um, female love scenes here where um, it's interesting to note that the set was completely clear when those took place, there weren't allowed to be any male members of the crew oh, okay. um, in the vicinity, I think the younger actress that's involved in those scenes was p- understandably pretty nervous yes. and was given a lot of support by her, her co-star um, so it seems that Park Chanuk has has done everything that he can to get away from the idea that it's somehow leery or exploitative or anything like that. And then again, yeah, we can't reiterate enough. As Paul said, this is very sexy from the point of view that he's a director who can really capture the the closeness of, of sort of bodies and um sensation and even like contracting and restricting blood vessels and these kind of mm. small details that i think a lesser filmmaker misses in favor of you know nipple shots or, yeah, or cheap it's, thrills it's, or whatever
0: it's, it's sexy without being cheap absolutely oh and it all looks
1: in a different sense very very expensive i mean the, the yeah. set dressing is beautiful yeah. the the props are beautiful yeah so much to recommend The Handmaid I mean it had a lot of buzz around uh, award season in end of year lists when obviously we hadn't had a chance to to see it over here if you're even a little bit a fan of Park chenuk you would agree
0: right Paul you've got to see this oh it's you've great yeah it's one of it's certainly up in certainly in his uh, I don't know if he's, if he's made a bad film necessarily but it's certainly um, up there with his best I think yeah I mean he's done
1: weird uh, I'm a cyborg but that's okay
0: he's yeah. quite, quite weird but yeah
1: the the guy is is. Incredibly talented. The cast here are on fine form. The story is intriguing. The costumery and the set dressing is amazing. I mean, we could go on and on and on and yeah. see it. The handmade wherever, it, yeah. whenever you can, really
0: find it, watch it. That was a lot of positivity. After was, the last couple of weeks, I feel, especially I think two episodes ago when I was just I, apparently in a huff, but so I'm we're yeah, back on positive. Although I one, would say
1: but, maybe from something that you said earlier on, I think that for me. When it seems like maybe we're a bit down on things, or you know everything has to be perfect for us to give a, a, a good review of a film, actually it's that weight As a film fan, it's that weight We see a lot of rubbish. I mean, both of us watch a, a ton of films, not just to do the show, but because we would anyway, right? And you you sift through bad filmmaking and sort of mediocre filmmaking, and then you get a gem like the handmaiden or parts of glory from this morning exactly yeah. and then we have the chance to really push all of our enthusiasm that i can push or paul can push into negativity with a particular review m night shimalan i'm looking at you into something <laughs> like this where, where we feel so positive let's keep this role going maybe let's let's,
0: let's keep let's keep the happiness up pete
1: let's the, do it the second feature of you for this week is patterson paul set us up on patterson if you would
0: um patterson um i'm sure Pete will. Not enjoy my very brief setup of the film, but Patterson is is basically a film about a bus driver played by Adam Driver, no pun intended, um, who writes poems, um, and that is kind of Patterson, I think. To be honest, it's just kind of it's it's a kind of a little window into his life. Yeah. Um. Now, if that's got you running scared, then I don't blame you. Yes. Run, I don't blame you for running Bear with me for a minute. Okay. He's okay. chomping at the bit here. If that's got you running scared, I don't blame you because when I saw the trailer, I thought. Oh God, Smolzy Sundance, rubbish! And then I saw Jim Jarmusch was directing it. Pete,
1: yeah, no, I'm I'm fully with you on that. Even f- for myself, you know, both of us are big fans of Jim Jarmusch. But when we saw the early stuff on pay, you say oh, we've got Adam Driver in there. You know that guy who was in Girls who used to like read poetry in a in a canoe on stage. Uh, and we've also got um, here. Uh, the, the, the idea that he drives around a town. Nothing seems to really happen. And uh, yeah, he writes poems. And then the words of those poems are put onto the screen for us to enjoy as well. Yeah. And that's it. It sounds to a lot of people like an almost intolerable <laughs> yes. premise for an a intolerable film. Intolerable hipster nightmare. Right. <laughs> However, as Paul said, this is not any filmmaker. And it turns out this is not any central actor either. Um, I'm confidently going to say that this is by far and away the best thing that Adam Driver's ever done. And I think he's quite a talent anyway. Um, We'll let him off silence, uh, I think, (laughs) and move swiftly on from that. But yeah, Adam Driver was born to play this role, for one. Uh, Jim Jarmusch is the perfect director for this story because it's not about things happening, really. It's not about being... There's one sort of semi-drama that takes place. Sorry, how cute is his dog? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's there's one point of sort of slightly melodra- melodramatic um, argument between two other characters yeah. in, in the sort of threadbare plot that there is here. But basically, this is a story about what it feels like to be alive and what it feels like to wake up each day and drag yourself out of bed and go and do something and pursue some kind of goal, however small it might be, however grand it might be, and to continue to pursue that like a sort of hamster on a wheel just pursuing some exercise and nothing more than that and nothing more than that and to me the way that that was handled by all people all the people involved here was absolutely beautiful
0: i think it, it could it could have felt like a window into anyone's life I think, in the way, you know, the way his girlfriend gets excited. They're debating whether they should spend this much, a few hundred dollars so she can get a guitar and a guitar training program. And then her, like, her goal seem to be getting, like, new things, really. Mm. And I just think, yes, I've had those, you know, you've had those conversations and it just, there's something about it. You th- Then you might think, okay, well, maybe that just sounds a bit boring. It, it, I know where you're coming from by saying, I want to stay away from this film. But I think I'm I would implore you not to because there's something about how it's written just just drags you in. There's something about like almost the awkwardness of his poetry, which, you know, is is not the traditional poetry you'd expect to see on a film screen. It's it's not Right it's not cliche ridden and strewn with kind of overly romantic and that kind of exactly. thing.
1: Exactly. It's, it's not poetry that's written to be like Look at this virtuoso talent who yeah. is downtrodden and having to make yes. do with this humdrum life. Neither, he seems very happy driving a bus. That's, he does. Yeah. And, and neither is it absolutely hopeless poetry that we might see in another film. And that thing I talked about, Adult World, recently was all, mm. you know, it turned out she wrote dreadful yeah. poetry and, and John Cusack sort of made fun of her for that in the end. But it's not that either. You can see that the, as a poet, as an artist he's making small strides he's massively interested in the heritage of the art form that he pursues just like the film director here Jim Jarmusch who is a film director who wears his influences on his sleeve if he can put like when you go down to the basement with Adam Driver in this and he's got whether it's um, David Foster Wallace or the local poet Mm. who um, grew up in Patterson in reality and the name escapes me now
0: someone Carlos someone Williams William Carlos Williams perhaps yeah
1: um, it turns out later in the film we learn that Allen Ginsberg also yeah. grew up in this small town of, of Paterson. And all of the events in his life are just so. They happen and then they finish and then he starts again. And he's just trying to get a little bit further along the road. And he's just trying to find happiness and continue to experience happiness. And there's a setback, a huge setback in this film for him. And it, on the one hand, it seems like, you know, a quite a trivial thing to happen, I suppose, in a way. And on the other one, it's like the tearing down of his entire world. When we get to the end of the film, when he has an encounter with a, a Japanese businessman who's come to explore the town um, and learn about Patterson, the famous home of, of Ginsburg and Williams that we mentioned, again, th- something that would come over as trite, from another film director yeah, just is doesn't. profound, like I felt about. Um, and maybe you'd agree, Paul. The Tree of Life, mm. in the hands of someone who isn't Terrence Malick, would have felt. Maybe some people think it is incredibly trite. You know, I, don't I know think, a lot of
0: people think it's incredibly trite. Right, <laughs>
1: but for me, it it resonated and it felt real and it felt yes. honest and it felt like I'm not doing this. It's the, uh, the Patterson is the antithesis of pretentious
0: yes because it's completely.
1: just the way the guy feels about the world and how he experiences the world embodied in a character who is trying to live in an authentic way and i think that's the opposite of being pretentious so yeah i i love loved loved patterson i think for me even more than I enjoyed The Handmaid and I think you've gone slightly I I the other, slightly other, other way, way but
0: that's not to take much away from Patterson because I did think Patterson was great and I would in, employees check it out it's completely free of the cliches you might expect to there and um, to
1: add to that it's on uh, Amazon Prime streaming video yes. at the moment in case anyone has that service so you don't have to necessarily go out and buy the, the Blu-ray in order to see it
0: good well, again more positivity which brings us to the new closing uh, section of the show which is Homework So uh, if you were listening last week, and just to explain this because it is a new section if you haven't listened for a few weeks, um, each week Pete and myself will assign each other a homework film to watch where we have a week to watch the film and then we will talk about what we thought about it um, and then the show will end after that I think we're going to drop the film quotes thing because we keep forgetting to do it and it doesn't really work that well yeah we um, were so
1: flooded by responses yeah. from listeners yeah. <laughs> that we thought we're not doing
0: that anymore yeah. <laughs> which is sometimes what's going to happen if we keep changing
1: bits of this show it's just because we don't get feedback so we're like oh we're changing so we do what we want
0: although we did have feedback which has led to these changes in fairness from yeah. speaking to a few people True, so, true. Um, so yeah any yeah. Anyway. anything that you, you do want to
1: see returning and, and you know you want us to stick with just let us know and, and we'll do our best to do that but yeah that brings us to the homework section yes. i want to make a snappier name for this man like we're called strange in the cinema i'd like it to be called like the the exchange or like the the exchange, cri- the, 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 it, <laughs>
0: the, exchange.
1: the switch the you know switching crimes i don't know something we'll come up with that later switching crimes I'm switch- not sure
0: that, i think that needs some work um so anyway where do you want to start what i set you oh yes based on us talking about ghosts in the shell last week um, the US remake um, which I think we seem to be alone in liking in the whole world from other things I've been reading but never mind um, I set you the animated sequel Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence yeah, very and, briefly and to be
1: clear Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence the sequel to the original yes, 1995 the original, anime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so I mentioned on the show that we did that one in that I had seen the original probably through sort of a fairly university <laughs> haze at some point um, but yes this one Okay. To keep it short, I liked it. Um, there are elements. Well, you can see that there are elements that were taken from this film rather than the first Ghost in the Shell. Which is that, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That the are geisha, actually in the, the scene at the beginning. Yeah. In the Scarlett yeah, Johansson movie yeah. that we've just reviewed uh, on the previous episode yeah i liked it i think that some of the visuals are beautiful some of them don't work as well i think some of the slow-mo stuff is overused i think the 3d rendering at the beginning shows its age even though we yeah. are 13 years away but you know technology moves on very quickly um as you know uh you can see the influence that the ghost in the shell has ha- or ghost in the shell has had on, on numerous other films that we've seen since so that's still interesting did you find the story a little pretentious i found the story quite Sort of weighed down by a lot of expositional, um, sort of slowly like delivered philosophizing and walking around. There's that
0: whole confusing time stop. Bit. Is, it, is it a time stop bit? I haven't seen it for a while. Now. Yeah, but yeah, that bit, that bit's a bit of a head. Fuck, so, but. so they, yeah, there's good. Is cool, there
1: but. was good, and there was not so good. Um, I don't think it it can touch the original. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I think I marginally preferred the Scarlett Johansson. Uh, we're gonna
0: get re reworked. Sorry, sorry. We are gonna take some
1: heat guys. But um but marginally. Uh, there's stuff to like here, and yeah, if you've seen the first one and haven't caught up, but this it's worthwhile. If you've seen the new film and you're interested in sort of where all this stuff's come from, go back and watch yeah, these these two, worthwhile. I suppose. Um what about you? I set you uh the Mark Duplass sort of minimal budget uh creepy film called Creep.
0: Yeah, um I'd forgotten you mentioned it was found footage. Um, which I'm not a huge fan of, despite quite liking Blair Witch. Um, Mark Duplass was on superb form um, as a. He's very... just basically a weirdo, right? Yeah, he was a very very strange guy who um, who basically puts an advert for someone to record like a diary for his son because he's supposed to be dying of cancer. Um, he's not, uh, hence why it's called Creep, um, and he turns into a stalker. Um, I think I liked I liked most of it. I think I liked the bit until he left the house um, and it kind of goes back into the town where he starts stalking him because then the limitations of the, the found footage genre start to pop up again when he's filming. That bit where characters always film themselves in bed talking to the camera. Yeah. No one fucking does that. <laughs> Those Once the limitations of the genre started kicking in, I didn't like it as much. I enjoyed it for the most part. I will give it credit for not outstaying its welcome. I think it rolls in at like 81 minutes or something quite short, yeah. which I liked. And Duplass does carry most of... Duplass keeps it entertaining for the most part.
1: Yeah, and I mean, those guys, him and, and Jay Duplass's brother, they throw out so many projects that this one, I didn't even realise this was a thing no. until I found it on, on Netflix, probably, um, and checked oh, it a
0: out. It's production, isn't it? Like that big-time horror director, producer Jason Bloom, which I didn't realize, Right.
1: So, yeah, I, 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 my review of it would probably be fairly similar to yours. I think that for fans of, of Mark Plass, you know, definitely check this thing out. But, you know, is it perfect? Not by any means. Is it, is it polished? No, not at all. But
0: I've had worse homework though, Pete, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, staying on the subject of horror, obviously, so that's what we thought of each other's films that we set each other last week and the very closing moments of the show where I will now set Pete some more homework. Um, staying in the horror genre... Yeah. Um, it's a film that we talked about a few episodes back, um, which you seem quite intrigued by, which is the... Uh, intrigued, evil, is, that, is intrigued, that the word for yes, it? intrigued. Uh, evil speak, uh, in which a, a young army recruit uh, decides to use a computer to communicate with Satan, basically. Uh, I gave it quite a glowing review as a very enjoyable... Uh, piece of exploitation cinema so i would be very intrigued to hear what you think oh the there is that
1: bit sorry guys we forgot to mention in patterson where he uses a computer to communicate with satan that was no, we that, left that yeah, out yeah of that's funny yeah, yeah. <laughs> no uh yeah i remember you talking about this and it seems uh, if nothing else it will be <laughs> interesting i don't think i'm going to come back and be like eh, at the end of no. seeing it so yeah looking forward to it i, I would say um my uh, film for you this time now Tiny setup. I'm going to set Paul uh, Jim Jarmusch's movie, The Limits of Control, obviously because we've talked about Patterson today, and it turned out that when we had a conversation, he told me that it was one that he hadn't caught up with yet. Um, my setup, though, is that the one and only time I think I can remember going to the video shop, as it used to be, um, that one that began with B, um, with my dad, like the, maybe the only time, he said, uh, Well, you know about films. Robbins,
0: so- they're not in business. We can advertise them if you want, well, I don't need not need to yeah. Um, yeah
1: I said he said oh you know about films you know you, you you pick something and I didn't want really that responsibility in case he hated it so I said well, you know what I'll do I'll pick three that I want to see and then you choose from the synopses of those yeah. three which one sounds like it would be good for you so in that three I forget one of them but one of them was the fantastic um, A Prophet yeah turned that down he went for The Limits of Control this Jim Jarmusch film which was a film so sort of um, obtuse to my father's tastes that at one point he sort of muttered something about needing to go and check something and just walked out (laughs) of the room and didn't come back for the rest of the film. I think it was around the time that one of the characters insisted on um, having a double espresso in separate single espresso cups a number of times. Yeah, um, Tilda Swinton's in it. She wears a raincoat. What else do you want?
0: Well, I will feed back next week, so um that's it from us um which just leaves us to sign off really doesn't it so uh thank you for listening as ever um you can find us on twitter strangers cinema um instagram strangers cinema facebook strangers cinema uh everywhere strangers yeah. cinema um the podcast is available on itunes TuneIn, stitcher Double twist, yeah,
1: everywhere, pretty much everywhere that you'd find your podcast, please download the episodes if you can, even better than that, give us a rating on iTunes, that helps a great deal, Uh, tell a friend, tell a friend, one person, you know that person who's into films, uh, maybe looking for a new show, point point them in our direction and... um, give you feedback any feedback is welcome and um yeah we're happy for you to get into the conversation so thanks everybody who continues to listen to the show we massively appreciate the support we'll continue to do it as long as people are listening um yeah i mean that probably takes us to the end for this week does, without yeah. without some sort of flimsy film quote to sign off exactly
0: on. so uh we uh, look forward to uh, seeing you seeing you possibly probably not seeing you anyway we're out post picks. Yeah. <laughs> goodbye see ya <laughs>